there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm super excited to be speaking with our guest today who is an outstanding revenue-driven marketer almost a decade in the space. Uh, he's a strategic leader, he's a he's a thought leader and his expertise is in lead gen and direct marketing. Um currently he's VP of marketing at Go Health and he is Patrick Manser. Welcome to the show Patrick. Hey, Chris. Really excited to be here, man. Uh, good to Me catch too. up again and looking forward to our chat. I'm excited to get dorky with you, man. <laughs> Nothing like getting dorky on marketing. Let's do it. Cool. So um, let's jump right in. I yep. know that the audience, uh, we're all about secrets here. We want to know the secrets of the best minds in marketing. Uh, and I know that you have posted many, many wins at Go Health and in your uh uh, career before that. What's one of your biggest secrets to success? Yeah. Yeah. I think the secret that I want to talk about here is that there's a secret way to turbocharge your consumer acquisition engine um, while shocking your CFO and CEO, right? And it's nothing new, but that is uh, creating a direct response marketing engine. It's what we've done at Go Health. It's what I've kind of been head down doing for the last seven years and love talking about it and giving people tips, learning from other people on it. So yeah so what what do you mean by that exactly so a direct i think most people would feel like yeah you know we have a marketing engine like when you say direct response marketing engine what do you envision yeah i think this short answer is exactly what you led with right so tying everything you do to revenue um and i had a mentor early on in my career that was giving me advice on um, you know, this is coming right. Uh, I came out of school right after, you know, the 2008 financial collapse and things like that. And he had some horror stories that he had been through. And the only piece of advice he was willing to give people is always attach yourself to revenue. Um, and that's something I've taken with me in my marketing journey. But also when I think about direct response, right, it's being able to share results of a marketing campaign in concise and precise ways that speak to people outside of marketing, right? So I think the greatest example that uh, I have is being able to connect with, you know, a new CFO at your company or whatever it is, being able to share exactly where you, what you do with your marketing dollars, where you put them and what the revenue point that's attached to them, whether that's new e-commerce sales, new telephonic sales, customer retention improvements, being able to track um, every dollar that you put out and drive a response or a sale or a retention metric off of it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So is it mostly in the way that we're reporting, would you say, or is it in the way that the, uh, that the program is actually built and designed? Yeah. I think it's an all encompassing platform that you really have to approach it. Um, and something that I like to do, you know, because direct response marketing isn't I don't think anyone would claim it's the sexiest, sexiest aspect of uh, marketing. Um, I, think I think it is, though. <laughs> I, I'm I think a huge I'm DR fan. It. Yeah, 
but I think I think it's all encompassing, right? And it's it's uh, the greatest teams that I've had the most success with in the direct response space. They are successful because they totally immerse themselves in every aspect of it, from the uh, all the way down to the revenue portion, obviously, but the entirety of the funnel and tracking every single piece um, of that funnel from response from to click through rates to form fill rates uh, to if you're in a telephonic space to uh, inbound phone calls to outbound connection rates all the way down through sale through attention through renewal whatever the product is that you're selling right and I think when you when you focus on that total immersion and that's the only thing in your mind when you're writing a piece of copy when you're producing an ad um, whatever it is that's the best and most successful teams that I've seen and I think there's there's a David Ogilvy quote, right? And I think, you know, we all know that he loved direct response marketing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to over-index on the, the Ogilvy quotes, but he said it's it's only creative if it sells, right? And that's what I've tried to institute um, from the beginning when people join, whether it's a, an analyst, right? Whether it's a copywriter, um, any other type of creative, yeah. I immerse them in the analytics and... That they let that leads us to every decision we make. You know, it's funny you mentioned Ogilvy. I'm a huge Ogilvy fan. I was actually just randomly uh, picked up the classic Ogilvy on advertising. It was just sitting at home on my coffee table, so I picked it up and I was reading it uh, a couple nights ago. And one of the chapters in there is his predictions for the future. This was written, or I think it was published in like the early eighties. So he's like, here's what I predict for the future. And he had 13 predictions. But one of them he said was that um, direct response will merge or he's, he phrased it as he said, direct response will no longer be like a specialty subset of advertising, but instead it will just merge and become part of advertising. Uh, and I think we've seen that in a large uh, degree. I mean, definitely in like the most advanced B2Cs, uh, you have that. Like, for instance, the Amazons of the world, the Microsoft, right. you know, the Microsofts of the world, like they're there already. Uh, even a lot of the more advanced B2Bs are there already. Like they are tracking these things and they're attempting to report in those uh, types of ways. Um, so I think that that has happened, but there's different levels of it. Like there's different levels of DRs. Like we have a client, I won't say their name, but they're in financial services. They spend many millions of dollars um, monthly on TV. They spend millions on digital, um, you know, large budget. They have it tracked down to a science and they know their exact allowable cost, Right. Um, and they they understand their attribution windows and they they are able to predict like what the fill-in will look like, you know, because like when you stop ads sure. at the last day of the month, like a week later or two weeks later, your numbers look better. Yep. So they can predict all that, you know, down to a science and they will not overspend. They just won't, you know, like if they're not hitting their numbers, even like that, they're just hardcore like that. They also have a brand team though on the other side of the field and they operate differently i think a lot of b2b's um or just like you know earlier learning curve b2c's are direct response in that like they are tracking and they're hoping to report like that but they're not direct response in that they don't have a 
allowable cost, like a specific allowable cost. It's more so like, yeah, okay, you know, we got a 25% return. Like that's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> How do we get better? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. And I think the, the also the, the delineation between brand and direct response is, is something that, you know, has to be blended, right? And a great way to earn those more, those additional brand dollars and is to earn the trust of, um, you know, your CEO, CFO, when you go to him and say that we've done this and then she comes back and says, okay, well, you've earned this additional, you know, 25% on, on your brand building efforts, right? Um, yeah. But I've always found that leading with revenue number as opposed to a, a net pr- promoter score index or a aided brand recall index is the easiest way to have a conversation with um, during that budgeting process. So absolutely. Yeah. CFOs love that. If they can yeah. be like, hold up. So we spent a dollar here and made two fifty. Right. Yes. Makes please. it easier conversation yeah. for sure. But absolutely. Ogilvy, yeah, you were, you were talking about the Ogilvy books and he, he does, did, he did seem fresh and not, or uh, he foreshadowed a lot of things when he was coming, when he was writing those books. Right. And, um, he was wrong on a lot for sure. But, um, I think some of the cooler things I was watching a video, a couple of days of a speech that he was giving, it must've been late seventies, early eighties, but he was talking about just kind of the simple tenets of direct response that still hold true, um, in the verticals that still exist, right. That, or at least in, in bulk still exist and simple things like, Hey, you know that as a direct response marketer, you know that a two-minute uh, linear television ad works significantly better when bought in the fringe uh, day parts and things like that. And a direct mail piece that focuses on uh, benefits and products with a call to action uh, with more text is going to perform better in certain scenarios and things like that. So it's not a new concept. Like you said, I think you you have to be able to translate it into different and new verticals. You know, I think one of the most challenging things that I've seen is people attempting to shift, marketers attempting to shift direct response style advertising into things like C- uh, connected TV and OTT, right? And it's been a struggle, right? Because it's very high CPMs, um, tough to drive response in such a um, such a kind of narrow-minded audience, right? So you're you're capturing an audience that's sat down to do one thing and one thing only. And it's it's interesting to see how that's going to evolve. Um, but most of what people do is still, it's still the same magic, right? And the thing that you have to be focused on is getting everyone on your team attuned to the exact same metrics, right? And I think you had a good point. Yeah, a lot of companies have understood that they need to to have a revenue number or they need to know what their their CAC or CPA is but they don't know how to improve it, right? And if you don't have a very, very clean funnel from the start, so this is my kind of my top stage, right? So if it's on digital, right, it's your your click-through rate, your um, form fill rate, your call. Um, if, you're, if you're outbound dialing people, it's your uh, lead form to contact rate, your contact rate to marketing qualified lead, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to attack the funnel at multiple stages. And if you don't have that laid out, you, you just kind of struggle through analysis. And then you it's it becomes a very long tail conversion process and a very long tail improvement process. And there's all these little levers that you have to be able to tweak along the way to be able to fully institute that direct response funnel. Yeah. Um, and consistently show improvement on it. You know, um, so why do you think that 
uh, more people aren't talking about direct response. Like again, calling it direct response. People talk about data driven and performance driven, yep. but uh, why is direct response like? It kind of feels like it's like a, a forgotten art in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's, art and that's science. Yeah, I think you you said it right. Right. It's it's um, one. It's it. It's not, it doesn't feel, I think, to people as creative as other um, more traditional marketing does, right? Yeah. Um, it's very analytical. It requires a very specific set of skills. My team at Go Health indexes pretty heavily on ex consultants, um, ex analysts to help power the decisions and help power the, uh, the media buying. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in new verticals and trends and things like that. Um, and you know, sometimes direct response can, you know, it's not always fun, right? Uh, it, it can be tough. Uh, I think when you think about it, if, if you really have instituted a test and learn culture, if you hit 300, right? Three out of every 10 ads stick um, or become a new champion, you're doing something really well. Right. And still, even if you're really good at it and you're in 300, you know, seven out of 10 times you're failing and that's tough. Um, it's tough to stay dedicated to that. Um, and to consistently churn out new and slightly iterated copy or new slightly iterated image, and then also be thinking about the big picture and driving in new ideas and things like that. It's tough to get up in the morning and do that every day. Um, and if you don't commit to it, then your funnel can fall apart really quickly or your creative will exhaust. Um, and it requires just a huge attention to detail. Um, and you have to get your team bought into to, to that type of performance. That's true. That's true. Um, so what can folks do? Like if direct response is not part of their lingo or their culture or their, you know, fiber right now, how can they take a couple steps in that direction? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how many folks, particularly on the big direct consumer brands that ha don't really follow like call to action or direct response advertising, what the next steps are, in 2023 with kind of an uncertain industry, I think we're going to see a lot of companies naturally try to carve up marketing budgets um, as they try attempt to get tighter on their expenses. Um, but I think shifting into direct response is a pretty natural reaction in my mind. So shifting some of your budget into direct responses is, is, is a natural reaction. If, if it was my first starting point um, into direct response, I think you need to be able to set up that funnel, right? And if you don't understand the key points in your customer journey, particularly your inbound or outbound customer journey, you're not going to be able to institute a funnel. You can have all the great ideas. You might have the best creative in the book, right? But if you don't understand all the steps, um, you're not going to be able to institute it. So I think the first thing that you do whenever setting up a direct response funnel, or if you come into a company, a new company, um, is to understand that funnel and document it, right? Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then subsequently tie that cost, take a sample customer or a sample day of customers or sample quarter of customers and flow that cost through the, that funnel. And that's where you're going to see that leakage, right? You're going to start to see the water start uh, falling out of that, uh, that co consumer journey. And that's where you start attacking first. Um, mm -hmm. And if you start to do anything more than that, particularly if you're starting from scratch, you're just going to get overwhelmed, you know, like we talked about. Um, but solve one funnel issue first, mm -hmm. dedicate part of your team to focusing on kind of 
that the top of the consumer journey, focus part of your team on the middle and part of your team at the end, and then bounce back and forth and help them plug one hole and just show those improvements first, right? There's so many easy wins to be made. Um, and then start a rapid test and learn process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have a backlog of creative that you have ready to test, you're probably not doing the job right. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it's 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 not, you know, it's not the it's not the hardest thing to institute. You just have to commit to it. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent transition from your marketing budget in day one. Um, but you have to get your team to buy into it and you have to institute a culture of test and learn, follow the numbers, um, and rapid iteration. So that's a great like, piece of advice to have the creative queue or to have yeah. things ready in queue. Yep. That's a great piece of advice. Yep. Yeah. And you can start to plan out what you think, you know, you're starting to get instincts very quickly on what you think is going to work, what you think is not going to work. I think the best way to get your team involved into it is be pragmatic with the decision-making on what's going to be tested, right? Um, let yeah. them fail. <laughs> let them, uh, even if you know that something's not going to work, right? If you put out a piece of copy that says, call this, right? Or call call now. And you know that from experience, let them learn, let them learn quickly and fail quickly. And then then you move on. But you've created, if you create that culture, it's it's really something that you need multiple people focused on. Um, and bought into. Yeah, that's awesome. It's also interesting how you say point different teams at different points in the funnel. Do you mean uh, like from a creative perspective there primarily, or are you talking about more so like, hey, team A is on the ads, that's at the top of the funnel. Team B is in charge of the landing page and team C is in charge of like, you know, the post conversion. Yeah. I think it's a, a little bit of a combination of both in my mind, right? And I don't think there's one way or the other that would necessarily be worse. But the way I like to do it is think about attaching, if you have analysts or media buying teams, um, attaching them to specific points. So one that's dedicated to, okay, this is my cost per call or my cost per lead, right? The top of funnel response, right? And they work directly with the creative team. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you can't drive response, you can't drive through the rest of the funnel. Right. That's the number one, the number one way to to kind of kickstart your direct response engine. And then you have the middle of funnel analysts and folks, which aren't as necessarily working with the creatives as much, but they'll work with some UX designers on what you just pointed out, landing pages. Um, work with if you're if you have a direct sales team working with um uh, the screening team, pre-sales unit, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're working to make sure that you're passing through marketing qualified leads or what, whatever that metric you use internally is. Mm-hmm. And then you have your conversion rate um, optimizers at the bottom of the funnel, right? And those are the folks that are in the, uh, that are indicating, okay, uh, layering conversion compared to zip code, conversion compared to consumer segment, et cetera. And then that information all feeds back up to the top, right? And you create this cycle that consistently feeds the engine and it consistently optimizes, right? But if you don't have all those people talking, it doesn't end up working, but it's a full life cycle. So the CRO in that model is like almost more like an analyst. A lot of times it ends up being someone that has a real strong numbers background um, and a real strong uh, ability to interpret data, right? So I love interviewing creatives. I love bringing creatives on the team. I think everyone does, right? It's really hard to find people that 
have an analytical background that can apply it to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the 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 biggest thing that I've learned in finding those people. And they 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 tend to be the ones that really supercharge the learning. And they they keep the creative folks focused on the process and optimization. Um, of course, they can't do their job without the creative folks too. So, but um, but I think the, the goal that I have is always to instill a singular focus on following the money. Um, and I start that in every interview process, even with, with both sides of the fence, right? And um, everyone always does some type of um, a case study or work example built around their expertise, right? Either take a prompt, write copy uh, examples, uh, do a 30, 60 second ad example, et cetera, or you do an Excel case study if you're not on the creative side. And I ask everyone, regardless if they did a creative study or a quant study, um, some type of quantitative question, right. In the interview process. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have to be right. I just want to see how they break down data. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about recruiting and talent acquisition now. Yeah. It pivoted um, quickly, didn't it? It did. Yeah. But that's, that's really interesting. What's an example of like a quantitative question that you'll ask? Yeah. So I've been working on one recently. I'm still refining it. Um, so it's still in the, in the, in the in the testing phase, right? But so I, I was reading a some type of World War II book. It was about World War II American generals, I think. But there is a there is a stat in there that said the U.S. government purchased and delivered three hundred billion cigarettes to the U.S. armies in World War II. And so my question is to these to to these folks, and typically I like to do them face to face, but over Zoom works. I just say that I say, look, the U.S. government purportedly delivered 300 billion cigarettes to the U.S. armies in World War II. Break that down for me. Do you think that's realistic? And there's no right answer. I've run it a million times in my head and in Excel. You know, it seems a little bit high, but I'm not sure. But I just like seeing how they break it down. Right. And they can ask questions. I'll provide them with, you know, how many active units in the military there were any given time in World War II, et cetera. But oh, I want to hear them ask one. the questions. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I would say, well, how many soldiers were there and how long was it? And yeah. I assume that each one smoked probably a pack a day. <laughs> yeah. Or ten or like a day 80% of in, them if you're in probably Belgium, smoked yeah. a pack a day. <laughs> yeah. So you're hired. You're, you're, you're welcome to come join us. And go yeah, so. Yes. Dude, I would come work for you. It sounds like an awesome place to work. Uh, that was, that was the goal, right? That's, that's, this is that why you came on here to recruit yeah, me? Yeah, I got you now. So man, you're, you are sneaky. That's good. No, but that's, um, that's really insightful. And, and I like the way that you guys, uh, break it down like that. Yeah. Uh, so, and just to summarize, I mean, what I kind of heard and took away from that was, First things first, you got to understand the steps, right? Step one, it might be the landing page view, form conversion, uh, follow up phone call, sat for a meeting, you know, deal stage one, deal stage right. two, et cetera, et cetera. You got to just at least map those out. Then take a cohort of leads and put them through. So, how many leads did we get? How many form or how many page views? How many, how many of this? How many of that? And see where those, those drop off rates are. And then basically break up the teams to divide and conquer to improve on those metrics moving forward. That's a great way to to summarize it. Yeah, I think you summarized it better than I did. But um, I think I think the main thing also is to include the entirety of the team in the performance analysis, right? 
And if you don't, right, if the if the copywriter or the um, videographer doesn't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing, right, or the feedback that he got, um, or the media buyer, she's not able to go back and say exact, like clearly paraphrase why she's suggesting a new iteration to this. Um, or why the product designer doesn't know, or the UX designer doesn't know why a, a lead form feel is being added or subtracted, or if you're moving to a conversational lander um, from a static one. Um, if they don't understand that, you don't get the buy-in, right? And you need to get everyone excited about, hey, you know, Facebook's CPA today was $212. You know, that's that's a huge win. You know, it produced 330 sales. Um mm-hmm biggest single day output and everyone feels that win together. Um, and that, that's what I found. I know I'm harping a lot on team creation and things like that, but the direct response, the cool thing about direct response is that you can share wins that everyone contributed to throughout the entirety of the funnel. And it's, it's a lot of it is just like is communication and focusing on sharing the details that lead to those wins. And then they lead to more wins, right? If we think about like, Hey, we focused in on this form field and this is where, um, we're driving conversion wins on the back end because we're letting through more qualified leads or um, whatever it is. It, it's a really easy way to to get the entire team involved and celebrate wins together. That's great. Yeah, how many people do you have on your team? I was just 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 working on that. So we we've got twenty four on our performance marketing team. Um, so. We have uh, our marketing team organization split into two fields, kind of a, a service and production unit, um, mm-hmm. which my colleague leads. And then I lead our execution um, and implementation unit. Um, so uh, have a, a team dedicated to our offline lead generation, right? So Go Health is 100% of our marketing budget is feeding our direct-to-consumer lead gen engine uh and so we have a, an offline marketing team that focuses on our direct mail, linear TV, uh, external out of home uh, advertising, then a digital team, very much focused on, you know, all of our, all your traditional channels and growth channels uh, on the digital side, Facebook, yep. GDN, um, affiliate, et cetera, uh, organic, and then our communications team and our marketing planning and innovation team, right? Which, and those are the analysts that focus on doing our planning, allocating budget to maximize revenue. Um, and they work every day with, with the creative side. Interesting. So are those the people that you would refer to as conversion rate optimizers, like at the very bottom? Those are my conversion rate optimizers and then the, the full funnel planners as well. So we go in every day, every week, every month, every quarter with a plan on how we're going to deploy our funds, right? To maximize whatever the plan is for that quarter. Maybe it's submissions, maybe it's to minimize CAC, maybe it's to grow in specific zip codes, specific states. They're the ones that are kind of the straws that stir the drink to put that plan together. Now it's not a static plan, right? We we change it in uh, intraday every day, right? But they're the ones that are building on historical performance, building plans out to to beat the or to meet or beat the plans that are laid out in whether it's top line revenue or submission growth or whatever it is. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So it sounds like a pretty sizable and mature marketing organization. Yeah, we've put a lot of work into it. GoHealth's been around for a long time and we're um we're a direct to consumer sales organization and we've 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 studied for a long time what works the best to activate our populations and to 
help them the most, right? Um, and we have a heck of a lot of data, which helps. And I know a lot of your couple, the the last couple of podcasts that you've done has been focused around that data element. Um, so I didn't want to get too big into that, but we have tons of data to feed our lookalike model, consumer lookalike models to feed our uh, historic, uh, historical conversion optimization and things like that. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we just have a ton of that to build off of. Um, and that helps us, you know, if that moves our batting average from 200 to 300, it means you know, 33% more lower CPAs or 33% lower lead costs. And yeah, we attack it from that angle. What's your guys, uh, data tech stack. Are it's you complicated? Uh, <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> so go health actually started, um, back in 2003 or 2004. So go health right now is where we're, we're uh, publicly traded. We're the largest, um, direct to consumer Medicare brokerage in the United States. So think of us as, um, kind of a, uh, a white glove service for seniors to help them enroll in Medicare. And we, mm-hmm. we shop a ton of different plans, kind of like an Expedia for them to find their, the best plan for them, right? Medicare is a hyper-confusing process. If you have parents or relatives in Medicare, you know they'll tell you. So what mm-hmm. we do is we have a proprietary tech stack on our agent side, right? Um, that we expose externally, right? As a marketplace, but also a lot, most of our sales are done through the aid of a telephonic agent mm-hmm. and they consume all the um, member details, right? So what prescription drugs are you on, who are your doctors and things like that? What are you looking for out of your Medicare plan? And we kind of stack rank uh, through an algorithm uh, and we match them to the best plan for them. But back to your previous question on kind of tech stack, we we started as our CRM actually for small insurance brokers in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still have that piece of legacy software that serves as our CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, we use um, uh, a couple different products to uh, for analytics, right? But Tableau is our main one. So mm-hmm. we track the entirety of our funnel within Tableau. Um, so and that's where our conversion rate opt- uh, optimizers and analysts live, mm-hmm. and media buyers. Um, we. On the digital side, we use um, uh, kind of the, the normal host of things, right? So Google Optimize, Google Analytics, um, and things like that. Um, and then our, our data warehouse is kind of a combination within uh, uh, AWS and Redshift. Um, and we leverage a product called Blue Shift for our marketing automation, right? So a lot of what we do is built around our... Uh, testing cadence on outbound dialing and inbound consumer flow, right? And we leverage those products along with HubSpot to kind of feed that decisioning tree uh, on our um, on our customer journeys. Interesting. Along with HubSpot, you said? Yeah, a little bit. Not as much as as we used to, but it still powers and triggers some some decisioning tools on our back end when we um, we have about a million members. Um, and we, um, have various ways to keep them engaged and checking with them and things like that. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. We have a, um, a sister company called OBO, uh, who just recently launched a HubSpot, um, plugin for chat GPT. So it's like chat GPT inside of your HubSpot. So you can like basically tell it to do stuff. (laughs) That's pretty cool. It executes on it, huh? Uh, yeah, there's certain like uh, HubSpot 
specific commands that you can get to execute okay. but like you can of course just have the normal chat gpt which could like write you an email or yeah you know got it we just signed a we just signed a contract yesterday on a not a chat uh, on a chat gpt uh competitor but an ai tool to help us with we're not sure quite yet on all the ways that we're gonna it's gonna be in use but at minimum on copywriting iteration and quickly functioning churning out ideas on how to iterate on some of our more successful copy. But I think landing page variation will be huge with it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how, how quickly that, that takes over the the landscape. Yeah. Right. I've definitely got some ideas brewing. We can talk about that if there's time, but it sounds like you guys have your game really together and your program's really tight. I am curious, like, what are some of the challenges that you're going through right now? What are you struggling yeah. with or what's keeping you up at night? Yeah. I know you said you, you, you guys have some FinTech uh, clients, so mm-hmm. um, kind of a similar space in the, in the health, health tech side, right? Particularly the senior Medicare space, the industry has gone through a ton of changes um, and this isn't completely um, restricted to marketing, but marketing is a heavy uh, portion of it. There's uh, a lot of regulation that's being rolled out that mm. have a lot of different interpretations across a lot of different parties, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to fundamentally change the way that a lot of people go to market. And you know, we welcome the challenge. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. You know, we, we're in a good spot as the industry leader, leader to adapt quickly. But it's just in your, we're in that kind of ambiguous phase right now where. Um, there's a lot of government governmental regulations coming. Um, a lot of our core healthcare plan partners are focused on um, helping us and their other enrollment partners um, serve consumers better. And it's it's actually really exciting, um, but it does present some level of, um, uh, like I said, ambiguity on where the next you know where the next challenges are going to be at. Yeah. Um, but being able to adapt to that is you know as part of our history, right? And I'm sure part of, you know, what you've helped your fintech clients do. Yeah. And um, what types of regulations are you anticipating? Is it like platform level, like Facebook considers you HEC now, or is it more so like around the messaging that you're allowed to do and not allowed to do? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, there's There's been some, you know, some bad players in in, ev- in every space, uh, as I'm sure you know, but there's there's been some bad players that have targeted, um, you know, what um, can be a vulnerable population in the senior market. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're part of the the crew that's helping to clean that up, right? And to avoid the, you know, predatory practices within the space. Um, so part of it's on the content side and how you um, make it super clear to consumers what they're, what, what they're enrolling in, what their benefits are, et cetera. And that's a lot to do with the sales process as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's going to really help um, clean up the the Medicare Advantage space. Um, it's a phenomenal product. It's helped you know thirty five million people with with insurance. But um, the next step is is kind of stabilizing in that sense. But I think the one to one targeting aspect, right? This has been ad nauseum for you know the last thirty six months. But finding ways to to target really uh, specific consumer segments successfully is kind of a continued challenge that we're facing right and direct mail has been you know long been my favorite vertical and that's one you don't have that challenge quite yet but 
you know, still adapting from the iOS privacy restrictions and different device um, restrictions and things like that would be the the other key challenge that I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, iOS fourteen hit you guys hard. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You, I think we we watched just slowly watching kind of our device usage and um, uh, consumer device uh, shift back towards uh, Android platforms was interesting, but. We're starting to see some success with, you know, some more broad targeting um, and doing more zip code level targeting, zip code level demographic overlays. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm feeling better about it than I was, uh, what was it, 18 months ago, whenever it rolled out for the first time. Yeah. Are you guys on Cappy? We're not. Conversion. Oh. Yeah, you should look at that, the conversion API. Yeah. Well, the conversion API that's nicknamed Cappy. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 do um, we 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 have some some offline. We most of what we do is you know based around offline conversions, like I said. So it's a lot of telephonic sales. Um, so we use um, we use quite a lot of offline data ingestion API. So we feed a lot um, of that information back into um, our platforms to help kind of get around that, that, you know, the one-to-one targeting concerns, right? So mm-hmm. um, most, most of our offline data will feed, you know, the demographics and the, the revenue attached to specific consumer types. And that's, that's where we're starting to see some success with building up kind of from the bottom up on that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's smart. I was, that was going to be the next thing out of my mouth is like, are you feeding offline conversions back? <laughs> Very cool, man. So it sounds like not all uh, exactly wine and roses. I mean, the the regulation thing can be a little offsetting, a little unsettling, I guess, just because yeah. you don't really know what's coming down the pike. Um, but it sounds like you said you're pretty well, pretty well uh, equipped to weather the storm. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think the number one thing is approaching it with with the right attitude, and when there's ever, whenever there's um, I don't know if chaos is the right word, but right. But when there's change, it, it always presents opportunity for us, right? Because we are so fundamentally strong in understanding what we're good at, uh, what points of the funnel are strong, where we get our most converge, uh, our, most of our conversions from, that we're able to pivot pretty quickly, right? And we have a pretty diverse lead lead flow that allows us to, you know, slowly or quickly move away from certain areas where there's specific risks and things like that. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to the challenges. Nice, nice. Yeah, you sound like a good boss too, and a good leader. See, this is what I'm saying. I, I, I just paid to get on here so I could ha- hear you say those things. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta take that clip of this and take it back to my team. Yeah, no, man, you sound like it. It would be awesome to work. And I, I might actually take you up on that. I might come and be like an intern in your office for a couple of days just to see how you run. Cause it sounds like you might really be advanced. overqualified for that. But <laughs> since I, since I have the opportunity and you open the door, we are hiring um, go, go health uh, is growing. I know there's a lot of super talented marketers out there right now that, you know, have been impacted um, from some of the tech company layoffs. Um, go health is based in Chicago, have offices in Salt Lake city and then um, in, in the Charlotte area. But we hire remote everywhere. We've got some really cool positions uh, well, open right now. So, who are you looking for? Who's your dream come true candidate? Describe them, and you may very well just receive it. I mean, there's thousands of marketers listening. Yeah, you know, I think the the number one thing that we're always looking for is digital marketers, right? 
um, digital ad buyers, people that can contribute not just in operating within a, a UI and interface, right? Uh, again, that's about 50 to 60% of your job at CoHealth, right? So I love people that can understand, hey, you know, this is where I'm chasing the data. Here's a tweak I can make, right? Within our interface, I can move to T-ROAS here. I can move to TCPA here, whatever the bidding strategies are. But I also like being able to contribute into a creative brainstorming discussion and being able to distill the data that you have within your interface or within Tableau or whatever reporting structure you have, distill that down and assist and very much contribute to the creative planning process. And I I hope that that's a, that's a pitch that people like, because, you know, a lot of companies create very, uh, very delineated paths, right. For their marketing sides. And by creating that kind of hybrid approach to everyone contributes to everything, everyone sees everything. Um, it, it really, I, I, hopefully it, it, it allows people to contribute in different ways, have diversified days that, um, don't get caught up in doing just media buying or just copywriting or whatever it is. Yep. So you're looking for that, like aggressive, you know, left brain, right brain media buyer with like very strong business acumen. Yeah. Yeah. And someone that like understands everything that they're doing, right. And understands the top line. Uh, revenue impact potentially understands what the uh, the market like your 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 lead opportunity or lead to marketing qualified lead rate. Yeah. What will happen with every individual step they take, and then just you know is willing to take some risks, dive into platforms. You know, like I said, we we open up a lot of availability to fail here as long as you recognize that it's a failure and move on quickly to the next yeah. failure or the next success. Um, and Maybe somebody who sleeps with like David Ogilvy and Claude Hopkins books on their only pillow. That. I do actually buy everyone on my team when they join at the uh, uh, Ogilvy's Guide to Advertising. So Ogilvy on advertising. So what you, I got excited when you mentioned that. Again, I didn't want to double down on the Ogilvy content that I'm sure everyone's tired of, but it's a great introduction of thinking creatively and but attaching those thoughts to you know specific revenue points. Totally. So, um, with your dream come true, recruit any specific platform you're looking for, like, or just multi-platform, like you want to fit, you want a TikTok buyer, uh, Facebook. Yeah. You know, funny thing on the TikTok buying front, the, the senior market is starting to explode on, uh, on the, on TikTok. So we've, we've, we've tested into it a couple of times. It's still not, we haven't been able to scale it, but no, I think what what I like is people that have a specialty coming in, but are willing to to be able to attack all the platforms right now, right? So right now, I'm looking for a really great affiliate um, manager, um, so someone that either has experience in you know something like CJ Affiliate or whatever other platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, I I never limit people to to being in one specific platform, right? You know, I want to grow your portfolio skills, your marketability, you know, down your um, as you get deeper into your career, you know, I think restricting people to one platform is a mistake, right? Because you can learn so much from other targeting platforms, right? Other ways that, you know, if you go into, let's go into your Facebook UI and you see someone buying in a specific way or in a specific zip code, you, you know, if you're not in there on a daily basis, you're going to miss that, right? And then you can't, you don't get the chance to deploy that into your kind of main, main vertical or uh, main lead gen um, channel. And, you know, if you don't, if you, if we can't give you that, then we're not helping you grow. I hear you, man. 
Cool. Well, we are just about out of time here. It's time for the lightning round where I ask you a couple of questions <laughs> and right. you uh, respond with the first thing that uh, comes to your mind. Cool. So question number one, if you were to start a side hustle, what would that side hustle be? Um, I think I would do some type of uh, modernized drop shipping from uh, Alibaba to direct consumers or into a Amazon fulfillment marketplace. Interesting. Okay. Um, other than Ogilvy, top three reads or like authors that have had the biggest impact on you? Wow, that is that's a question. And you want marketing specific ones? Uh, yeah. Let's let's go with yes. <laughs> let's. Uh, can you give me two seconds to think about that one? Or whatever. What I want the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> um. I think so. So, so Ogilvy is definitely number one. I think, you know, I, I grew up, uh, out of coming out of college reading Neil Patel blogs, um, who that's a throw, kind of a throwback. I'm not really sure if he still creates content. Even. I love Neil Patel. Yeah. Um, there's the, you know, hacking growth, which, um, has always been one that I've enjoyed, um, which is Sean Ellis. Um, and then the, uh, let's see, coming up with another one here. Um, that one out. I've not seen hacking growth. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then I think there's, um, a, a bunch of HBR books that I've read that have helped my understanding and created my transition into becoming a very analytical marketer. Right. Um, so like on strategic marketing, um, on how to, which really focuses on how to segment consumers, segment products out and things like that. Nice. Okay, cool. We'll we'll definitely include those in the show notes. Last up, what are you excited about? One thing that you're most excited about for 2023? Yeah, one thing I'm really excited about is uh, our focus on on breaking new channels, right? And finding a way to you know to target our consumer segments in things that are a little bit non traditional. Whether it's you know targeting seniors on TikTok or breaking into CTV the CTV realm, right? right? Um, I'm, I'm really pumped about our team's ability to consistently find new ways to acquire consumers. And, you know, that's what gets us up every day. It's what makes the day exciting when, when we go to work. And, you know, I think when I'm anxious to see what my team can accomplish when they really dig their teeth in, uh, to optimizing nice. a funnel and every day is, you know, I think we're trying to find ways to better serve members, help our sales agents. Um, get better leads and things like that. So that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you certainly got a bright future. I'm excited because I have a feeling that you might just recruit your uh, your trumpeter swan, as Ogilvy would put it. There it is. Um, yeah, I know you know. I know you get that reference, but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you did a great job, man. I think that you are doing awesome things. You definitely represented the Go Health team well, and like I said, I would work for you if I were on the job market. I would come work for you. I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, this is, this is a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime. Cool. Sounds good. Well, you have a great day and stay in touch. Sounds oh, good. Um, if you like this, by the way, drop us a like, a thumbs up, or a comment. Uh, we will really appreciate that, and we will probably respond if you say something funny or cool. Um, Pat, let us know or let everybody know if they want to learn more about you or Go Health, how to go about doing that. Yeah. Shoot me an email, pmanzer at gohealth.com. 
or check us out on LinkedIn. All of our jobs are posted there or built in Chicago. Um, it's got some great content on our culture, um, our careers, kind of our history. That's a great place to start. But yeah, a lot of cool jobs, not just in marketing. If you know anyone that's looking, a lot of engineering positions open. We have a really custom tech stack, really cool uh, marketplace products that we're building out um, with our new CTO. And uh, built in Chicago, so a great place to check it out. And again, a lot of remote positions open too. Sweet. All right. Well, that's all for us today, everybody. Uh, Thank you. Please tune in next time and uh, have a great day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 